Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. And here we go. Is a Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. Previous administration negotiated an agreement with the Taliban. He should be less focused on trying to blame this on someone else than to solving the problem of making sure that we protect and defend American security. This did not happen on our watch. Uh, sorry. This is Devious Motives with Brett Winterbull. It is Devious Motives. I am Brett Witterbull. Great to be here with you as we chart the continuing collapse of Afghanistan. Big news coming out in the uh, overnight from uh, from yesterday. And, and we know what it was. It's, of course, the uh, statement that was made by President Biden uh, on the situation in Afghanistan. And as, as predicted, as we all expected, uh, blame heavily laying at the uh, feet of uh, Donald John Trump, the 45th president of the United States, by the 46th president of the United States, who, who said that uh, Donald Trump saddled him with a deal that was no good, that, that nobody uh, wanted or supported or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, you know the rhetoric that we're talking about here. Th- that being said, we have... New information coming out uh, in just these last hours. The Taliban held a press conference. They did. And I I got to be honest with you. I was shocked. I didn't see live Taliban press conference coverage on Fox News, Fox Business, CNN, CNBC, MSNBC, NBC, ABC, CBS, PBS. They did not cover any of the Taliban press conference. I watched it. I, I had sources that enabled me to, to get the Taliban press conference, to digest a lot of what they were saying. It is a mixed bag. Uh, I do not trust the Taliban. Uh, they are in league with Al-Qaeda. They are radical Islamist maniacs. But they got themselves some media coaching. They got themselves some... Uh, some big time media coaching, and I don't know where they got it, but they got some media coach. Like I'm maybe is could it, I mean could it be Paul Begala and James Carville advising the Taliban? Could it be somebody uh, in the payroll of George Soros? Could is it possible that maybe Patrice Cullors uh, from Black Lives Matter, uh, maybe she reached out to coach him up? This is an incredible thing to see and to listen, and. I, I this is a this is a podcast, right? This is Devious Motives, the Collapse of Afghanistan. This is episode two. And it bums me out that I don't have video to show you. But I, I do video over at Rumble, so maybe I'll put the video of the Taliban press conference there. So they got into some deep stuff. I don't believe them, but it's really sophisticated stuff. They were they were they were articulate. They were able to articulate a vision for the Islamic Emirate of Afghanistan, which is what the the new country's name is. Uh, Because, I mean, we did have Afghanistan was there, and now Afghanistan's gone because Ghani bailed, took a bunch of money and split. But we now have sort of a a, a blueprint for what's going to happen. Now, does any of this matter? No. Am I going to hold them to this? No. I don't trust them. They're evil. They're scum. They're the Taliban. They they rape children and kill women and stone women and uh, push a, a, a sixth century ideological uh, underpinning. But the fact is they got out and did media. They did. And I'm actually surprised 
that the, the, the news channels and the cable channels didn't cover this live. Be, not because I want to see any kind of a propaganda broadcast take place, but I think, and, and I'm serious when I say this, please don't be offended. I think the uh, cable channels and the news media didn't carry this because they upstaged Joe Biden in his messaging. You, you go back to what Joe Biden just said on, was it Monday? Yeah, Monday, Monday afternoon. And he was kind of hemming and hawing and blaming and pointing and freaking and worrying and all these all these sorts of things. This guy's confident and cogent. Here, let me give you, I'm going to give you a sample. Now, again, I don't want to be accused of propagandizing on behalf of the Taliban. I am not. Uh, I, am, I am doing this uh, from a, a purely intelligence gathering standpoint and, and I want you to hear this. So this is the Taliban, the Taliban, Taliban, Taliban. You know, it depends on how you want to pronounce it. This is the spokesman for the Taliban talking about uh, their vision for Afghanistan. And I'm going to I'm going to just I'm going to cue one of them up here for you and let you hear it. Here is uh, here is the Taliban on women. This is this is their belief on women. So hold on, here it is. The issue of women is a very important issue. The Islamic Emirate believes that we have rights for women in Islam. All our sisters, all our women are secure. Our God, our Quran says that woman is a very important part of our society. They can work, they can get education, they were needed in our society, and they will be actively involved. If the international community is worried about these issues, we will tell them there will be no uh, nothing against women in our ruling. Our people accept, our women are Muslims, they, they accept Islamic rules. If they uh, continue to live according to Sharia, we will be happy, they will be happy. We hope that when Afghanistan comes out of war or fighting, the economy will improve and we will take uh, very serious steps to improve our economy. We have spoken to many countries. We, are, we, we want them to we want them to work on our economy. We want them to help us. We are giving reassurance to all Afghan people that we will change the Afghanistan, our country, very soon. It will be a positive change. I know that every Afghan wants to have a better life. Okay, so, so Brett, what are you supposed to make of, of, of that? Uh, anybody can sell propaganda. Anybody can do any of those sorts of things. Well, you're right. I mean, anybody can sell propaganda. Propaganda is pretty easy sale. So what, what do I make of it is these guys are articulating a vision for this country. What they're doing... And, and, and think about this A-B comparison for a moment. I, I, I'm not, I am in no way supportive or applauding or any of that stuff with these maniacs. But let me just say this. They're acting like they're the government. That, that is 
sophisticated statecraft. Who the hell is coaching them up to do this? And I'm telling you, I have one, two, three, four. I have four or five clips from the Taliban press conference. They articulate a clearer message than we do. And again, understand why I'm doing I'm I'm not. I am not soft soaping these murderers. These are the people that shielded Al Qaeda and ensured that we lost thousands and thousands and thousands of lives, both on 9-11 and after. But what they're doing is they're acting like, hey, we're the legitimate government. We came in. Um, in, in the preamble to all of this, uh, this, this spokesman uh, essentially said uh, to the audience, and these are all reporters. These are reporters from around the world. Al Jazeera was there. ABC News from the U.S. was there. All these people were there, but they weren't taking it live. And, and these guys say essentially, yeah, we got a plan. Um, press, we got a press plan for you. We've got a woman plan for you. We've got an economy plan for you. We're going to be the guys that are doing this. And in fact... In fact, at one point, they come out and they say, hey, we're not we're not knocking on doors and uh, uh, terrorizing people. These are thugs. These are criminals that are out there and we're looking for them. In fact, what we're going to tell you is we're like actually that thin line between chaos and, and, and success. I mean, let's be honest here. That's what we we know what we are. We we got guys in the traffic intersections waving traffic. We've got we're telling them to open stores. We're, we're providing. We're doing all this kind of stuff. Now, who coached these guys up to do this? Who who's got the capacity? It's obvious. It's China is obviously who's doing it. They went and they went. They went to Russia. They went to China. They did the uh, bad will tour around the world. And so they come out and they say, "Well, do we believe in women's rights?" Right. So I want to go to this clip. We believe in women's rights uh, under Sharia. Under Sharia. So women, don't be thinking you're going to vote and drive and uh, have a say in who you marry and uh, who it is you're going to have sex with. Or you don't get that say, man, because you guys are second class citizens. But under Sharia, we'll like totally respect you. We'll totally protect you uh, under the extent of, of Sharia. They also came out and said something else um, that's pretty weird. Uh, weird in that you didn't you wouldn't expect this from a terrorist group. Okay, they came out and they said to people who want to get out, because right now we know there's 10,000 Americans in Afghanistan. There are about 100,000 people that want to get out of there. Okay, that's the number that John Kirby gave uh, earlier, earlier on uh, on Tuesday. They they put out they put out a warning and they said, listen, this is a big deal. Um, we, we've got we've got a situation here uh, where uh, we think it's about 100,000 people that need to get out of Afghanistan, but we don't know how that's going to happen. We think we can get 9,000 people out a day. So that's a 10 day evacuation. Biden has said that everybody's out by the 31st of August. So, you know, you're cutting it awfully close. The the, the fact of the matter is. The Taliban are counterprogramming the panic that we have by saying, oh, don't leave. Don't leave. We don't want you guys to leave. Don't leave. Don't leave. Please don't leave. Um, we, we want you to be here because we have a plan for you guys. And I know it sounds crazy to say that, right? It's like, oh, yeah, you want to stone us and kill us and chop off our heads. And they're like, no, no, we want to build the economy, man. We want we want something to be happening right here in Afghanistan, a place you can be proud of. We're going to 
We're going to make Afghanistan great again. Oh, Brett, that's not nice. What are you doing? You're making like a MAGA reference? No, but I'm saying these are guys are saying we're going to rebuild. We're going to do Afghanistan first. We're going to do uh, Islamic Emirates first. I'm not taking cheap shots at any American politician. I'm just saying sometimes um, in, in the world of uh, sometime in the uh, in the world of of chaos out there in the world, the answer to the to the chaos in the world is to come out and say, no, 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 we're actually in charge. Now, simultaneously, these thugs are grabbing women and girls off the streets. They're abducting people. They're killing people. They're disappearing people. But what these guys are trying to do is sell a reasonable visage to the rest of the world. We're not the scary boogeyman, man. We're not, we're not doing all this kind of stuff. Here is, um, here's their, their appeal to get people to stay in Afghanistan, not to go away, not to run away, not to split. Here, here it is. Check it out. I want to reassure all our countrymen, whoever has worked in the military, in translation, we have given amnesty to everybody. There is no revenge. All those young people who have talent, who have got education, we don't want them to leave. We want them to here, to be here in Afghanistan, work for their own country. I reassure all of them, no one will go after them. No one will ask them why you worked with or why you translated for the Americans or you supported them. There is no danger for them. And he asked me about the prisoner. I don't know about that. It might be related to other years of the war. I don't have any information about Mr. Mujahid says that we are assuring the safety of all those who have worked with the United States and Allied forces, uh, whether as interpreters or any other field that they have worked with them. Uh, as for their talents and their skills, we do not want them to leave the country. We want them to serve their own homeland. We don't want you to take your skill sets and leave. We want you to stay. We want you to serve uh, the homeland. Lost in this uh, conversation, and it's a hugely important part of the conversation that has been lost, I think, is this idea that um, that essentially, uh, you know, we, we traded we traded five very senior Taliban generals and, and leaders uh, in exchange for Bo Bergdahl, who is a traitor and who, as far as I was concerned at the time of this story moving, uh, should should be swinging at the end of a rope for walking off of uh, off of his duty station. And putting us in a precarious situation in which we had to go and track this idiot down, find him, rescue him, and then trade five high-value targets, including two senior commanders that are now in charge of the Taliban. Uh, Kirkawa is one of them and the other guy. And so the, the, the reason why these guys are free, and we're going to talk about what's going on at Bagram as well. The reason why these guys are free is because Bo Bergdahl decided he was going to take a powder and disappear. And we had a trade for that. And that was the doing of Barack Obama and Joe Biden, by the way, 2014. That was in 2014. And they, they celebrated the return of Bo Bergdahl um, at the White House, uh, like, like he had been the prodigal son coming home. They gave him a banquet and they gave him a gold ring and they gave him a they, they gave him a shawl. They did all the stuff to tell him the father came out and he played the game like, oh, Bo doesn't speak English anymore. I'm going to speak to him in Pashto and Dari because he forgot how to speak English from all of his years being locked down. Now, now, not not really, uh, not really buying into it, not buying it for a moment. But 
But here's the thing. What you have these guys saying essentially is we're going to have to figure out a way to make money in Afghanistan. We're going to have to figure out a way to cut deals. We can't just be a bunch of maniacs with machine guns running around. We got to do something. And this is why I think the Chinese advised them. This is why I think the Chinese told them, hey, you need to do this. You need to do that. Um, You need to look like you're a legitimate governing force. Because everybody has come down in the last three, four, five, six days and said, listen, these guys are the second coming of the devil and they are going to eat uh, babies and they're going to do everything horrible. So all the all the Taliban has to do to to surpass that benchmark or that threshold is simply to just come out and say, essentially, look, we're not scary. We just talk to you about women. We just talk to you about the economy. We, we just talk to you. We just talk to you about all of this including they break down the free press, how it is they want to work with the press. Oh, my gosh, you got to be kidding me. They're seducing the press. Here is uh, the Taliban spokesman uh, talking about the press. I also want to reassure all media groups, if they work according to our Islamic rules, to Sharia, they will be free. They can work. They can broadcast freely, but I have three requests for the media. First, they need to know that Islam in Afghanistan is very important. If there is anything against Islamic law or Sharia on their broadcast, they will not be allowed. But according to Islam, they have the whole of freedom to broadcast freely. We know that free broadcasting, fair broadcasting, if they are fair, they can criticize us, so we know our mistakes, but it all needs to be fair and balanced. So they are serving people, they are serving the government. We want them to be biased. We want them to be balanced and fair. And they need to serve our national values. They are very important for us. But if broadcasting is against our national values, if they are broadcasting ethnic issues, if they are doing it with purpose of uh, ethnic violence, then we will not allow that. We want every Afghan to live together. We want them to live as brothers and as sisters together in one country. I mean, are you are you kidding me? This is this is absolute nirvana for the MSNBC crowd, for the social justice warrior. I mean, I know listening to these Taliban guys lay this out, I gotta believe. Ilhan and Rashida Tlaib, and I got to believe AOC and even Nancy Pelosi are starting to get a little crush on these guys. Going, wait a minute, you guys are just a bunch of softies, aren't you? You're just like, watch, mark my words, some kook leftist will come out, probably a professor, will come out and say, 
Well, look at these people. They're more enfranchising than the founding fathers of the United States of America. Look, they don't have slaves. They aren't oppressing. They are talking about the rights of women. They are talking about the rights of the press. They're talking about economic opportunity. These are practically Thomas Jefferson and George Washington ideas. No, they're not their terrorist group. Why? Because I want to take you over to Bagram Air Base. Bagram Air Base, Camp Buka. And Bagram Air Base is where you had the big repository of horrible, murderous, terrorist dirt bags. Okay? And so you got these guys all together doing their thing. They're doing their thing. And and they're sitting there. And, and um, th- these terrorists that are at Bagram that got released, and we're talking 5,000 of the worst of the worst terrorists in the world. We're talking about people that were... Uh, they, they, they were involved in Al-Qaeda. They were involved in ISIS. They were involved in atrocities. These are horrible human beings. And when Bagram went, they all disappeared to the four corners of the earth. So now you have a 5,000 man ready reserve for the terrorists out there to go out and to ensure that uh, mayhem and chaos continues. And I can guarantee you They ain't going to be in Afghanistan. They're going to send these guys out. They're going to send these guys out. They're going to punch them out. And they're going to be able to go do freelance stuff. I keep having people ask me about this. And they say, Brett, what is going on with Al-Qaeda? Like, this is the Taliban. What's Al-Qaeda doing? Al-Qaeda is its own operation. Al-Qaeda is going to do its own operation. The only reason why the Taliban and Al-Qaeda were working together was the Taliban controlled Afghanistan from like, you know, 94 to 2001 when we invaded and then we knocked them out of power but the only reason why al-qaeda and the taliban were together was because the taliban were the landlords for al-qaeda and for osama bin laden and so um al-qaeda is not there there's not going to be like a a storefront that says al-qaeda you know 325 muhammad avenue uh in in kabul that's that's not what's going to happen they're going to have they're going to have a a situation where they're going to keep operating all over the world isis is going to operate boko haram is going to operate um you you name it all these terrorist groups that are now plaguing the world are, are just going to get resupplied because what you just got by getting these guys out of jail is a whole bunch of experience when it comes to fighting jihad around the world. That's a hugely important story. And it ought not be overlooked, by the way, because if, in fact, these guys do have these skill sets, these guys uh, do uh, have the ability to strike us. Bear in mind, we're still living in the era of covid and we have an, a wide open border uh, at the Mexican border. We have a wide open Mexican border. And I don't think those guys are going through the border at, at this point, but I think they will be coming through that border and they're going to want to run operations in the United States. They, they, they just are. They just are. And, and so the Taliban is going to try to run this like it's a legitimate business. And Al Qaeda is going to go out there and pursue jihad and try to murder people. And that's that's a, a scary reality that we're now living in. A 5,000 hardened terrorists are now free that we know of, that we know of. I mean, we don't know what else is going on inside of Afghanistan. We don't know who's where, what they're doing. But we do know this in, in, the, in the broader geopolitical picture that's now unfolding out there. The fact that we were not able to keep a lid on Afghanistan and the fact that we can't even manage an evacuation right now. And I mean, I'm being honest. Uh, 
but we can't manage evacu an evacuation right now. We're trying to beg, borrow, and steal to get people out of the country. What do you think the message is going over to Xi Jinping in China? What do you think the message is going over to our real adversaries out there, Iran, um, who, 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 who want ill for us? What do you think the Russians are doing? They're going to press their advantage and press their advantage and press their advantage and press their advantage. And you don't have to take my word for it, right? You don't have to take my word for it at all. You know, uh, Nigel Farage was talking about this. Nigel Farage was a, a great uh, ally of the United States. He, he is uh, somebody who has uh, tried very hard uh, to speak up as an advocate for our leadership in the world. And, and Nigel Farage was just heartbroken about what it was that he saw take place uh, there with the uh, with, with the collapse of Afghanistan. Because, you know, yes, the, the, the NATO allies were part and parcel of this mission, but we did most of the fighting. I heard Pete Hexeth say earlier today, the ISAF patch on your uniform that said ISAF um, was was joked around about in dealing with the the American <clears throat> American men and women who were fighting for this country with our so-called allies. And, and the running joke inside the U.S. ranks was ISAF, ISAF stood for I saw Americans fighting, meaning the Europeans, NATO, the Turks, none of them were really doing the fighting. They had restrictions on rules of engagement, right? They had all that kind of stuff, but we were out there actually kicking butt and taking names. Nigel Farage said this, and, and frankly, it's his, it's his final statement about, about the implications for many, many years to come. Here, here is Nigel Farage. Well, what can they do? That's the point, isn't it? Because now the Taliban have assumed total control uh, and all of this happening within a space of a few hours, despite the US intelligence reports suggesting that Kabul could last for at least three months. Uh, the immediate problem is how do we get our nationals out? Several thousand Brits, many thousands more Americans, mostly inside the airport. Uh, there's also, of course, the interpreters that helped both US and UK forces over the last 20 years, signs that already some of those people are being murdered in the streets. Right. So the immediate problem is how do we get people out? Uh, and we just have to pray uh, that those operations continue. But it does look to be a very frightening situation. And how, how on earth President Biden can unilaterally have done this mm -hmm. without, without consulting with his allies and without making any exit strategy plan for those thousands of people from both our countries working in Afghanistan is beyond me. It is a total failure of leadership. So that's the immediate problem. The bigger problem we have, well, it's certainly here, and I know, I know in America, uh, the families of those who lost their lives in that conflict, asking what on earth 20 years was for, if we're surrendering it back to the very people that were there in the first place. And the broader concern that could dog us for years to come is that once again, Afghanistan becomes a safe haven for those who want to plot international terrorism. But even more frightening is we have jihadis in Europe, we have jihadis in the United Kingdom, and they will be taking great comfort from what's happened in Afghanistan. And so there's a worry about a rise of domestic terrorism here too. So overall, you know, in summation, uh, when Joe Biden said America is back, he clearly didn't mean it. Uh, this is the worst foreign policy decision any of us have seen in our lifetimes. And we're likely to have to live with the consequences Here's the deal. The pathway is not easy. It's going to be long. It's going to be a hard road. But we're going to have to be the people that have to stand up and do this. And if we're not willing to do this, I don't know what the pathway forward is uh, to keep America secure. It's a disturbing reality.
that's your summary for what it is that we saw earlier today as we continue to chart the collapse of Afghanistan, the Taliban now asserting not just control, but operational and governmental control. What comes next? We'll keep you up to date in the next edition of Devious Motives, the collapse of Afghanistan. Devious Motives with Breck Winterbull.